The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. About all things prospect, dynasty, and minor league related. I am your host, Lamar Gibson. Some quick housekeeping before we get into today's show. I want to apologize deeply for uh, to everyone for not publishing an episode last week. I had what I thought was a pretty cool episode recorded um, that was going to be around Mackenzie Gore and Kyle Wright's matchup um, a couple of Fridays ago. Um, I went to edit it, and frankly, it was unlistenable. Uh, so I didn't want to subject anyone to poor audio again. We've been there and done that. So here we are. Uh, with that said, though, the extra week is what helped fuel today's uh, episode where we talk pitchers. I know weird for a podcast from Pitcher List to be discussing pitchers, but what do you know? Here we are. Uh, we're going to be hitting almost every level except for rookie ball because they haven't started yet as we run through some choice pitching performances and what we can take away fantasy wise and we're going to start at the major league level with mr gore himself he's got two starts under his belt now and personally i would judge both to be good Uh, not great but good as i mentioned i watched his debut against atlanta he didn't look rattled he didn't look uh, extra nervous you know no no more nervous than i guess one can expect Um, he got ozzy albies chasing uh, up for his first ever strikeout. Um, Albies got him back. He sent a fastball that was middle-middle out into the left-field seats. Uh, but Gore faced 20 batters in that game. He got three Ks against two walks. And then his next start, he got seven Ks. So, uh, again, I think overall it's looking good. Not great yet, but that's fine. Given Given the concerns that we had for the past couple of years, I think it's going in the right direction. I know there's some early concern about his high fastball usage. Uh, to me, especially looking at that debut start, it looked like they had a very simplified game plan for him. They weren't didn't look like they were using pitch calm, uh, even though Alfaro had it on his wrist. But it looks like they had Alfaro just giving traditional signals. And I kind of liken it to uh, a rookie quarterback making his first starts right in the middle of an NFL season. They don't really use the full playbook, and the coach is going to go to his strengths as much as possible. And it seemed to be the same thing here. Fastball is working. Let's stay with that. We're not going to get into pitch calm. 
we're just going to throw the signals down like you're used to seeing. Here's what we want you to throw. Uh, so it was it was pared down. Uh, it has been very fastball heavy. I will say if we get into late May, into early June, and we're seeing the same sort of fastball, heavy fastball reliance, then sure, that's a different conversation. But definitely if you're patient enough to wait or savvy enough to have gotten gore for cheap, kudos to you because I think you're reaping the rewards now. So next, let's talk about the man who was Gore's opposite on the mound in that Friday game, and that's Kyle Wright. Technically, Wright's more of a post-prospect at this point in his career, but he's such a fascinating case in pitch development that it dovetails nicely into our topic today. So in that same game, Wright struck out nine over five innings. This past Friday night, he struck out a career high of 11. So, of course, the question on everyone's mind, is this for real? Is this a new Kyle Wright that we're looking at? And what I see is the biggest area for improvement for Wright was always his command and his control, being effective in throwing strikes and overall pitch efficiency. And that's where you see this major gain from him. And it actually, uh, in my opinion, goes back to his second stint in AAA uh, Gwinnett last season. So not only... Has he reduced his walk rates, but he's almost completely ditched his slider, which by run value on StatCast was average at best previously. Now he's starting to throw his four-seamer and a sinker, uh, almost even usage there. And he's increased his curveball usage, which has also been in a very effective pitch for him in generating swings and misses. So he's essentially reconstructed his entire pitch mix. He also added a couple ticks to his fastball, both the four-seamer and the sinker. And he's now commanding four pitches that he's been able to put anywhere in the zone against pretty much any hitter. So fantasy-wise, you either lucked into him, you either sniffed out some clues to his success very early on in spring training, or maybe after that first regular season start, or you're just late to the party. And I think the bulk of the community is just, they're late to the party. And I have to tell the truth. I'm on record in my home league. I traded Kyle Wright back in August of 2020 for Brewers prospect Max Lazar. If you know who Max Lazar is, kudos to you. Shout out to the Lazar family. If you have no idea who I'm talking about, that kind of tells the story right there. It was a one-for-one trade. Wright had just finished getting blown up. I forget which start it was, but he just got blown up yet again. And my trade reasoning, because we do trade reasoning in my home league, the trade reasoning was, and this is a direct quote, my rotation is a delicate ecosystem and Kyle Wright is an invasive species. Needless to say, I'm stuck here holding this out. So I think Wright is 100% for real. It's not to say that he's going to, to be perfect throughout. I still think we're going to see some blowups happen, especially as things warm up. I know there's still some questions about are there multiple uh, baseball is being used officially uh, at the MLB level, you know, one that may be a little bit more um, juiced than the other. We'll see how that all plays out just with pitching as a whole as the weather warms up, but definitely with Kyle Wright. But again, based on everything that we're seeing and what he's actually done, it's not just one thing. And this is what you look for when you're trying to look for uh, with post prospects and even current prospects as they're learning how to pitch. So if you, again, go back to our previous episodes when we talked about pitching with Nate Handy, with Nick Richards, um, with Kyle Goings, 
just the development in learning that craft and that skill is constantly evolving. And you have a guy in Kyle Wright who's he's hitting the exact right age, right? He's 26 to 27. Uh, so he's been around. He's been up through the levels and back down. He's he's now at a point when he clearly, whether it be by his own cognizance or somebody talking to him, figured out, hey, some of, some of the things that I've been doing are no longer effective for me. I got to figure out something new and I got to figure it out fast. He's done that. Again, it's not just, hey, I added a couple of ticks to the fastball, but I'm throwing all the same pitches. He changed the pitch mix. He changed how he's commanding things. And now he looks like the breakout guy. I mean, I'm not calling for any awards, anything of that nature. But what I am saying is if you have Kyle Wright, he's definitely a hold. And I hold him until I see anything different in the actual data that shows me he's going back to his old self. But I don't think that that's going to happen anytime soon. Like I said, warm weather will probably help tell us. But he's got a he's got a solid spot in the rotation. Uh, we know even uh, as guys continue to come back, get healthy, as Atlanta looks to improve, because of course they want to repeat. So they've shown that they're willing to to make some moves and bring some guys in. I don't think he's in danger like he had been in the past of falling out of the rotation. You see a guy like uh, Huascar Noah who they optioned back down after he had some rough starts uh, this year. Spencer Strider is in and out of the bullpen. Looks like he might be the next up to um, maybe grab some starts. They have Kyle Mueller. Uh, Jared Shuster is, is still around. Uh, Davidson's still around. These are guys that Wright was kind of lumped into. And now he's completely distinguished himself as definitely being a part of the starting rotation for the Atlanta Braves going forward. Like I said, until we start to see the wheels fall off. So if you have Kyle Wright, hold him. Do not trade him unless you're getting something really crazy back. And just ride this one out. On that note, let's take a quick break, pay some bills, then we'll be back on the other side to talk. Hey, Alex Fast here, and thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a PL Plus subscription, where you're going to get an ad-free website and get access to our Discord, where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff. Plus, you can hang out with our incredible Pitcher List community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as $8 a month. You can sign up at PitcherList.com backslash plus, and you're going to get your first month free with promo code podcast also don't forget to check out everything else we do as well from youtube videos live streams newsletters off-season articles tiktoks breakdowns over 15 baseball podcasts on our network we can't stop talking about baseball even during the off-season so sign up for pl plus today at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and use promo code podcast to get your first month free all right thanks for listening let's get back to the show about some pitching prospects to know in the early part of the 2022 season. All right, and we're back. So as of today's recording, it is Sunday, and we've already had it confirmed publicly by the player himself that John Means will be undergoing Tommy John surgery and missing the rest of the 2022 season after he left his last start with what had been described as an elbow strain. So if you're the Orioles, where does this put you now? So first off, uh, in my opinion, you look even dumber for not dealing means last year, pre-sticky stuff ban. Uh, but 
that's that's not this podcast. That's a different subject. Looking forward, now you have yet another open spot in what's already a, a very rundown and haggard rotation, right? It, it's got a lot of holes in it, even with pitchers that technically already have a spot. So our next prospect is who I'm kind of nominating as being the person that should fill that hole. And no, it is not Grayson Rodriguez. It is not Gray Rodriguez. Yes, my friends, it is Kyle Bradish. Yes, Kyle Bradish. Now, what's the reasoning here? So I've kind of made this case previously um, online and, and in different areas, but let me kind of run you through it again if you have not heard me make this case. So Bradish was acquired as part of the Doug Bundy trade to the Angels. He's going to be turning 26 by the end of this season. So unlike Grayson, you A, have slightly less invested in him because he's not your crown jewel as far as a pitching prospect like Grayson is. And B, he's definitely old enough to be considered ready just from age to level and and overall experience. And additionally, Bradish rose through two levels of minor league ball last year. He blew double-A hitters away. He did run into some resistance once he got the triple-A Norfolk. Uh, But in this year's abbreviated spring training, he faced the A versions of major league teams, which include the Yankees, their A squad. And he looked capable in both outings. Um, He was able to generate some swings and misses. He got some strikeouts and didn't give up a lot of hard contact either. So I watched his um, last start. Uh, that he just had against Durham. And this looks like a guy that also has sort of the major league pitcher's intangibles. His stuff isn't mind-blowing, and it wasn't uh, super exceptional. uh, And it wasn't super exceptional in this start. He has added a couple of ticks to the fastball, but it's still sitting closer to 94. It can get up around 96, 97. And he didn't have great command of it in the start. It was missing up in a way, especially to lefties. Uh, but he was able to grab a handful of strikeouts to get, um, but he was able to grab a couple of strikeouts by getting right-handers to climb the ladder against the fastball. Uh, the curve was also looking inconsistent. He bounced quite a few, but he was also able to hammer some uh, right-handed batters, especially with the curveball as well. He was able to hang tough, even though he didn't have his best stuff. And that's kind of a calling card of any decent major league pitcher, let alone good to great ones, right? You're not always going to be on. You're not always going to be 100%. Can you still be effective in those other situations? Last night was a great scenario. If you know anything about Durham, that's Tampa's AAA affiliate. Um, They're not as stacked as they were last year, obviously, with some promotions, but they're still very good hitters, very talented hitters on that team, and he was still able to hang tough. So he ends up uh, on the day only giving up three hard-hit balls to the outfield, only had one walk. He still got eight strikeouts. Didn't give up um, any runs. So the line itself doesn't tell the story because you look at the line and you just figure, oh, he had an amazing start. It's so much more than that. He was a guy that um, looked like, A, doesn't have much more to prove at this level. And it's because of, B, the fact that he's now, he's pitching, in my opinion, in my estimation, he's pitching differently than a prospect that's still trying to learn how to pitch. Now he's pitching like a a major leaguer who's learning how to be the best major league pitcher he can be. It's kind of hard to uh, explain without going down a deep rabbit hole 
what I mean by that is it's almost more of a feel than a set sort of explanation that I can give. But when you see certain guys, you can see them. And it also happens with hitters where uh, there's just nothing else that's going to challenge them at that particular level. The ultimate challenge is what's left for them is to be in front of major leaguers, whether it be uh, a hitter that needs to see major league pitching or vice versa in this case. And that's the only way that they're going to actually hit whatever their potential is. And uh, Bradish definitely looks like he's at that uh, stage. Now, with that all out of the way, what's the fantasy implications? Quite honestly, I think his ceiling is uh, as an SP3 type of guy. I don't think he's an ace, but I think he can be solid in the middle of the rotation. And I think his ceiling, his ceiling, he can be a top 100 guy. I think the ceiling is there. The floor is is solid, and I can definitely see him falling closer to the floor, um, which is more back-end rotation guy. I don't really see him being a bullpen guy. I don't think you have to worry about him getting shuttled back and forth from the bullpen. I'll be honest, if he's not getting it done in the rotation, I don't really see him being a, any more valuable coming out of the bullpen. He's not, like I said, a super hard thrower, so it's not one of those things where you say, oh, okay, well, we can pare him down to just kind of a – fastball slider guy is going to play up in a short amount of innings. And now we have a, a high leverage, um, you know, setup guy or closer or something like that. That's not really him. If, if it's not happening for him as a starter at all, uh, that's kind of the worst case scenario because then he kind of becomes a, a low leverage reliever, you know, somebody that you kind of throw out for mop up duty, things of that nature. So that's kind of the, the extreme scenario in the, in the worst case. And like I said, the extreme scenario in the best case is he's a top 100 guy, um, somebody that can get a lot of strikeouts, limit the hard contact, which is going to help you with those ratios. I don't see him. He's never really had a big home run problem. Uh, so I think he can continue that. Uh, we're still trying to figure out how Cam Yards is playing with the you know new left field and everything. And again, the way pitching is just overall being managed, you don't need him to be a guy that's going to go seven, eight innings, give you complete games. We're, we're kind of way beyond that being a standard. Now you're looking for, can he give you five to six very solid innings? And I think he definitely can. So if you have uh, the ability to go seek out Kyle Bradish, I, I would definitely suggest that you do so. And I would even say, Deep leagues, definitely, right? These guys are we're always going to be trying to throw out names that in a deep league you want to know and, and probably have on your roster. In the 12 to 14 teamers, um, depending on the number of minor league spots that you have, he still may be interesting because, again, I think, I don't know, but I think that the Orioles should be promoting him next. Um, definitely over Grayson, who he's, he's definitely – not a better pitcher um, talent-wise than Grayson is. But again, just from a development standpoint, he's a couple steps closer to being ready with his age and experience. And also, I'm a fan of of teams who let the lower kind of um, pedigree guys, the, the, the guys that are rated number 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 in the org, being promoted over the guys that are number one, number two, because when the lower tiered guys fail, it's less of a hit to the overall development strategy. My case in point is this. If you think about what Seattle is going through 
with um, J-Rod having a slow start. Last year was clinic. All of a sudden now it's like, there's it's not a panic, but it's just a question of, okay, like, where are we where do we turn to next? When is this going to start to pick up? Uh, Kalenic is, is starting to warm up a little bit more. He, he's still not looking like the sort of prince who was promised from the prospect days, but he's getting a little bit better. And of course, development, it takes time. J-Rod, we know, has kind of been getting hosed on some very bad strikeout calls. Uh, Logan Gilbert, he also took time. If you think about it, I have to admit, I panicked sold him after the first couple of starts, and that was dumb on my part. Uh, and now he's looking much more like the pitcher that we assumed he would be. But that sort of uncomfortable feeling that can start to happen when your top guys don't immediately hit the ground running, some of that can be mitigated when you have some of the lower guys kind of establish themselves and, and kind of make it that much easier. So that's just my estimation. Obviously, I'm not uh, a, a Major League Baseball official whatsoever. I'm not affiliated with any team so kind of what do i know but i would keep an eye out for bradish to be the next one to get the call and i'm very eager to see how he fits in hopefully he can do for the orioles what they have been hoping some of these other guys like a dean creamer like um i mean zimmerman's been better this year but i still don't trust him for lack of a better word um the keegan akins doing what these guys just really haven't been able to provide, which is quality innings consistently. Uh, so that's Kyle Bradish. We're going to drop down a level to double A. And in double A, there was a few different ways I could have gone here. Um, there's quite a few really talented uh, pitchers at the double A level, especially having good starts to the year. One in particular that I'm purposely avoiding because he's going to be uh, a subject in a column that I'm writing so I didn't want to kind of double dip here, but if you know, you can probably guess who it is based on the start he had on Saturday, this past Saturday. Uh, but anyways, where I went was a picture that I never heard of uh, until a couple of weeks ago, and that's Brett Carey for the Los Angeles Angels organization. And in a lot of ways, it kind of seemed like the law of averages that the Angels would just kind of stumble into a decent pitching prospect just based on the amount of draft capital that they've used on pitching recently, right? You had, uh, you know, the the most recent draft where almost all their draft picks were pitchers. I forget exactly what the number was, but it ended up being almost all pitchers. So you kind of just assume that you would throw a rock and hit a decent pitcher somewhere. Chris Rodriguez looked like he may have been the guy, but he's continued to have um, injury issues. Uh, so you have Brett Carey here. He still is a bit of a surprise. He was drafted in 2021 from South Carolina. And in South Carolina, he really spent the majority of his three years there as a reliever, started as a closer specifically, and then kind of was more of just a general bullpen guy. Um, he did put up decent numbers across the board. He had a consistently low walk rate, and nothing really stood out. Last year, as he made his um, professional debut, he pitched a limited number of minor league innings between high A and double A. So, wasn't really on anybody's radar per se. And that brings us into 2022. And he's uh, statistically been, you know, exceptional. He's 26 strikeouts, over 16 innings, only one walk. Here's where I get concerned, though. I watched his most recent start, um, and this was against the Cubs double affiliate in Tennessee. And 
there's a couple of things that stand out to me in the negative about Brett Carey. Number one, there's no real plus pitches in his arsenal. He doesn't have um, exceptional velocity. He doesn't really have exceptional movement on any of his pitches. So that's problem number one. Problem number two is, you know, you can be a power guy. You can be a finesse guy, right? There's not really a lot of finesse. There's not uh, any elite sequencing or technique that I'm seeing, you know, him hiding the ball, uh, having a funky delivery, a funky release point, just something to kind of play his pitches up to throw hitters off balance. Not seeing any of that either. Simple windup and delivery. And he throws a lot of strikes. Um, I was looking at the numbers. It's around 69%, I want to say, of his pitches thus far this year have been strikes. So he stays in the strike zone. But when you have a fastball and changeup specifically that stay in the zone, that don't have movement and don't have uh, exceptional velocity regarding the fastball, you can get hit hard. And that's what happened in this particular start. He gives up two home runs to Nelson Velasquez. Um, and ends up giving eight hits overall, four runs, and still doesn't doesn't have walks, still racked up some strikeouts, but especially with an organization like the Angels, I personally, I want to see some more starts from Carey to get a better idea of who he is. Is he actually a starter? Maybe this is a blip. It happens all the time. Again, you're developing, you're learning, it's double A, but... It could be a possibility that he's really just a low leverage reliever type that's being pushed by an org that's so pitching poor they're looking for anybody because their top guys, the Kai Bushes, um, uh, they they were able to graduate um, Detmers obviously, but the Kai Bushes and some of the other top guys that they've drafted recently, they are not really showing up in a big way, and you start to wonder are they just kind of hey somebody has to be the guy and if uh, Carrie is, is showing up statistically. I'm curious to see, you know, is is that going to continue or is this start like what he had against the Cubs going to be more of the um, status quo for him where he's getting rocked because he's staying in the zone and nothing that he's throwing is really moving to keep hitters off base. So I'm not seeking Carrie out right now. Maybe I'm wrong for that. Maybe, you know, I, I I get shown differently as we move through the months. But for me, I'll pass, and that's definitely in in the wait-and-see pile. We go to high A, and we have a pitcher here, Gordon Graceffo, for the St. Louis Cardinals. And Graceffo looks, uh, if you look at paper, very similar to Carey. Another 2021 draft pick, similar to Carey in displaying a great strikeout to walk ratio this season. Uh, Graceffo has 21 strikeouts and only one walk over 16 innings. However, Graceffo is somebody that I feel comfortable saying right now, you want to try to grab and stash him in deep leagues. If you're in a 16-teamer or more, or if you're in a league that has, I would say, 15 or more minor league spots, this is a guy I can see sneaking on to more radars come next year, and it would be handy to already have him uh, in your back pocket. He's got a starter's complement of pitches. So here's what I saw looking at his most recent start. Uh, looked like a four-seamer that had a good onside run. It was sitting around 95. It got up to 97. Uh, it looked to be another fastball that was maybe more of a cut fastball. Seemed more average, but he has it. Uh, he had a slider that had really good vertical movement that was able to drop uh, through the zone. 
and he commanded it really well considering his age and level. And he was also able to break off every now and then a curve that was a, a bit loopy, kind of had a big hump to it, but he didn't throw it a lot. It did hang, but because it was so intermittent, he was still able to, to get call strikes and he was able to keep hitters honest by just sprinkling it in here and there. And then what is probably his plus pitch, it was a changeup that just to my naked eye, it seemed to mirror his fastball extremely well. Um, I saw in a bat, and I'm blanking on who the batter was, but it was a left-hander, and he was able to go fastball down the way, change up down the way, fastball down the way, hit the same spots. It looked like the same exact pitch, um, and he was able to to help uh, get, put himself ahead in the count by doing so, by sequencing that way and keeping the hitter off balance. So being able to throw a changeup that looks very similar to your fastball in that way, similar release points, similar movement on the pitch is just going to be beneficial overall. So that's five pitches. I would say he can command three of them very well. And he's again, able to generate actual swings and misses. There is heavy fastball usage, but I'm not surprised and I'm not worried about that. Given the level again, it's high a, he's a young guy. Um, I'm watching them start against the twins affiliate in Cedar Rapids. And really they just look kind of overmatched. They didn't have many hitters that could catch up to the fastball. So, you kind of get it, right? If I can throw 95 plus and get it past guys, why wouldn't I just lean on that and instead of throwing all of these other secondary pitches? The, the hitters that the affiliate did have, that Cedar Rapids did have, that could do damage against that fastball, or at least are likely to, a guy like Christian Encarnacio Strand, if you remember, he was going off uh, the first couple of weeks of the season, hitting multiple home runs, seemed like every other game. A batter like that, uh, Graceffa was able to pitch differently and still generate swings and misses and generate strikeouts, keep him from giving too much damage. He, he was able to strike out Encarnacio Strand, one at bat. He did give up a double. What was really a good pitch, it was another fastball, ran inside. Um, Encarnacio Strand was just able to put his hands in fast enough and get around him and keep the ball fair down the left field line. So even that uh, hit wasn't a bad pitch. It was just some better hitting, which happens, obviously. So having that many pitches that he can dip into, uh, being able to command the majority of them, that to me puts him on my radar as a guy to watch, especially in the St. Louis organization. We know that they um, they may not be at the top when it comes to pitching development, but they're definitely not at the bottom. They understand better than most um, how to move guys along well and um, not rush anybody or not be too overly enthused. So Graceffo is a guy, again, if I'm in the deep league, you want to jump on him. I already missed out uh, because I was late to looking at a start and somebody already picked him up. So that's on me. Uh, but any other deep league, I would say definitely go at it. And again, even if you're not necessarily in a deep uh, league team wise, but you have, um, you know, multiple spots, definitely uh, in that 15 or more realm of having minor league spots where you can stash some guys. He's a guy that would go on my stash list because I can see him by the end of this season finishing up in double A, maybe for the last month or so of the season, and then being high on the radar, starting at double A going forward in 2023. Even if you're not keeping him, there's going to be value there that you can add him to a trade package um, to, to get somebody of note for your team. So that's Gordon Graceffo. And now we're going to wrap things up with 
the pitching darling of the 2022 season, and that is Roybur Salinas. And Roybur, he set hearts kind of just all aflutter with his first two starts. And he was able to combine for 24 strikeouts in nine and a third innings, only giving up two walks, three hits, and one earned run. And if you look at the, the video that was making rounds uh, on Twitter and, and looking at his games, uh, if you had NILB.TV, it seemed like he was just overpowering uh, pretty much every hitter. His last start, his most recent one, was a bit rockier. It was four walks, a hit batter, uh, gave up two runs, five hits, and five and a third. He did still strike out seven. And I would imagine in your league, especially in deep league, somebody already snagged him as just a flyer once he kind of broke on Twitter that first week or so. I would keep an eye out. I would watch how patient this manager uh, that may already have him on, on the roster, how patient that guy is because I can foresee, again, it's low leg, so I can definitely foresee a couple more bumpy starts for Salinas and I can probably see some more really great starts for him as well. And we'll have to see how patient that manager might be to ride out the bumpy to reap the benefits of, of those higher starts. Uh, some guys have that patience. Some people are just like, you know, I grabbed him as a flyer, thinking maybe he'll shoot up the ranks, get to, um, you know, get out of low A really quick and get into high A, double A, where, you know, they tend to, some managers tend to place a little bit more value. And once they start seeing a lot of the walks, some of the wildness, they might just cut bait, which is fine. That's not a bad strategy to just kind of um, burn through some uh, lower minors guys just to kind of see who sticks. But if you're interested in Salinas and you watch the starts and there's something there for you, again, another organization with Atlanta, we were talking about with Kyle Wright, we know that they know how to get guys up at least to a certain level, right? Graduating them from AAA to the majors, you know, we can argue and speculate about it took right a little bit of time. Like we said, uh, Max Reed, though, you know, definitely looked like uh, he was able to, to kind of come along smoothly. But we know that they can at least get them to being major league ready. And so Salinas is a guy that by 2024, 2025, maybe, you know, who knows? Uh, he could be another, uh, you know, where he just comes up out of nowhere and, has some really great starts for you uh, at the major league level, um, you know, down the line, or just somebody that gets developed and kind of shunted into a, a high leverage bullpen role, which again can still be valuable for you. So we'll have to keep an eye just overall on uh, on young Mr. Salinas. And that's kind of a quick and dirty rundown that we have for um, all four levels. I want to do this again um, probably in the summer once the uh, rookie ball leagues have all kind of uh, kicked off just to see rookie ball. We know is really difficult to judge. Um, the video, first of all, is almost non-existent um, unless you're actually, you know, attending games is, is really hard to watch anything of quality. And uh, we also know that control command is a lot more throwing than pitching from a lot of guys, even talented ones. So I, I'll have to, I have to be kind of intentional and, and creative with how I want to incorporate those prospects in. But we also don't want to overlook talent because talent can come up from anywhere. And 
doesn't really matter the age, doesn't really matter the level. If a guy has it, whatever it is, we want to make sure we recognize it or at least recognize the uh, potential. So we'll see if we have an, another rundown to talk about some rookie uh, ball guys uh, at the complexes and uh, DSL, etc. And uh, I'll probably want to return and take a look in a, another few months with the names that we just talked about here um, from the minor league level. Obviously, Wright and Gore ideally are going to you know remain in the major leagues and continue to do their thing. But Bradish, um, you know, uh, Graceffo, Brett Carey, um, and, and like we said with, with Salinas, we want to you know continue to watch them and and see exactly how they continue to progress throughout 2022. Um, with all that being said, I'm still collecting questions I haven't forgotten, so I would love to do a mailbag episode. I've only gotten a couple of responses thus far, so please, if you have uh, questions um, that aren't time sensitive. So I know I've gotten a couple questions that were like, hey, I got a draft. Hey, I got um, this trade that's like being proposed to me right now. Uh, feel free if you want to send those my way and, and I can tell you my opinion. That's cool. But for a mailbag episode, I'm looking for something that maybe is less time sensitive and just more um, kind of macro, just looking at maybe a particular prospect or um, types of players or what have you. Feel free to send them my way. Uh, again, I'm on Twitter at Inside. Fastball, capital I, capital F. You can also email them to me at uh, InsideFastballNewsletter at gmail.com is the email address. So, again, I would love to do a mailbag episode just to interact with you all a little bit more. Um, as far as um, any sort of content, I started the weekly Farm System Power Rankings column, uh, and that's been a very volatile uh bit of rankings a lot of uh teams going way up and way down over the past couple of weeks we'll see exactly when things start to stabilize there um but as players as their top 30 prospects um perform well or don't perform well that is kind of what i'm basing that movement on um those uh power rankings are going to be published uh every wednesday and i have my minor league player and pitcher of the week column that's going to be published every Tuesday. That is a column that's complete with gifts and breakdown of uh, the two individual players. We have some honorable mentions as well. And just trying to highlight um, some players that are having some great performances that are fantasy relevant and exactly how they're getting those results. And I suspect to see some of these names that we talked about today in that column at least once this season. I know Salinas got an honorable mention. Um, he just barely uh, got beat out for pitcher of the week um, last week, I believe. So I definitely could see him on there, Graceffo on there, etc. And as always, I want to remind listeners that you can find this podcast and all of our Pitcher List pods on the Pitcher List Network podcast page. They're all available in the podcast section of Pitcher List for you to find, listen, and subscribe. Again, you can find me on Twitter at Inside Fastball, capital I, capital F. Feel free to send me feedback, thoughts. Uh, if you have the ability to review this podcast, please do. I'd love to read the reviews and the ratings. With all that being said, I hope you enjoy the rest of your day.